Welcome back to Cool Clear Water, the inaugural eight-episode series of the 40-Day Hero's Journey podcast, the podcast of original stories where fictional characters find themselves in life situations, and we explore how average folks can be heroes, just like in Hollywood films. My name is Richard Leipold Schneider, and I create these stories following the steps of my book, The 40-Day Hero's Journey, My goal is to show how being a hero isn't reserved for a select few. On the contrary, being a hero is possible for everyone. At the end of our last episode, our hero had her Eureka moment. Alex realized that she needed to be brave to deliver her dream of cool, clear water to everyone. So in this week's episode, 1G, Up the Creek, We will see if she has what it takes to make that happen. A new day is dawning on the Nevada city of Winnemucca. The desert air is chilly from the previous night. The thinner air and the echoes from the mountain ranges make the drone of trucks and cars on Interstate 80 seem to be coming from everywhere. Since it is Monday, there is probably more traffic, but who can tell when it's constant anyway? Turkey vultures soar in the sky over the interstate. They have most likely spotted some poor animal that has met its demise on the roadway overnight. Alex is outside her cabin at the RV park, watching Max sniff around and do his morning business. She is about to join her team to make plans to continue the search for the source of arsenic contaminating the area's water supply. Yesterday's investigation didn't yield anything conclusive, but it did rule out a small section, although there is still a vast area to search. Okay, Max, are you ready to go back inside? Alex clicks her tongue twice to tell Max to heal, and he runs to her side. Good boy. Alex was able to train Max with both a clicker and a whistle. As a result, she can use tongue clicks for more informal commands and reserve the whistle for when they are working. Once inside, the conversation goes directly to the plan for today. The entire Paradise Valley area is over 150 square miles and they have eliminated only a few of those. They all agree that they must narrow the search based on the confirmed data they have already collected. Working on the mapping laptop, Tingyu overlays a topographic map, the locations of activated drip alerts, and the fast aquifer flow data. They quickly see that this combined data will reduce the search area by more than 50%. Based on the drip alert locations, they draw a nearly horizontal line from Paradise Peak in the Santa Rosa mountain range to the city of Paradise Valley, located in the center of the valley, since all of the alerts are well south of that line. From that point, a line connects to the easternmost drip near Winnemucca Farms, and the final line goes along the uppermost ridge line of the Santa Rosa range. Anything west of that line would drain to the basin to the west. The resulting area is a triangle of roughly 70 square miles. As Tingyu pointed out on Saturday, the contamination is closer to the western ridge. 
That will take us a week to search, Mateo points out. Most of that terrain is ridges and canyons with elevations up to 7,000 feet. Is there anything else we can use to narrow the search? Alex gives herself a sarcastic facepalm. Yes, there is, she replies. I almost forgot to include the location of our poisoned coyote friend. The water supply it drank from is most likely related to the contamination. Ting Yu, can you look up an estimated range for coyotes in this area? After a few taps on her keyboard, Ting Yu replies, Looks like 4 to 15 square miles. After entering the spot where Max found the coyote, they now have a much more manageable area to focus today's investigation. Mateo adds, you know, several canyons along the range have creeks that run out into the basin. Could we test those for contamination? A positive reading would have to point in the right direction. Alex modifies his statement, yes, and we should test the creeks on either side of a positive test to ensure we don't inadvertently rule anything out. The team is ready to go with the new search area. Mateo will have the drone ready and help Ting Yu with water testing of streams flowing out of the Santa Rosa mountain range. With John's support, Alex will lead a press briefing until they are ready for a targeted dog search by Max and Alex. Before long, Alex finds herself walking up to the podium with Max on a leash and walking him at heel for the press briefing. Yesterday at this time would have found her running for cover. However, today she has a plan based on her expertise as a water quality specialist with a dose of newly found bravery, and she has made a couple of prior arrangements. When she gets to the podium, she has Max hop up a chair and onto a small table. These were the arrangements she requested earlier. Once in position, she addresses everyone attending. This is my chemical-sniffing dog, Max. He wanted to ride shotgun for me if y'all get out of hand. I told him you were a bunch of fine, upstanding folk, but he wouldn't believe me. Max shifts his gaze from Alex to the press members as if on cue. If he were a person, this look would be, I've got my eyes on you. Everyone laughs. John was correct. A little humor does make the first 20 seconds much better. Alex realizes that instead of facing criticizing adults, the assembled are now curious people, not unlike the children at a school presentation. She slips easily into the briefing, starting with an update of what they have learned so far. Her focus is to deliver details without speaking too technically. There are a few questions for clarification that she answers clearly. For instance, when she explains the mapping that included the fast aquifer flow data, one of the reporters asks, can you spell that? Alex replies, P-H-A-S-T. Specifically, it is FAST version 2A, and it is a computer program for simulating groundwater flow, solute transport, and multi-component geochemical reactions. The mayor, who has been watching the whole time, interjects, say that ten times fast, pun intended. Another chuckle from the crowd lets Alex know the briefing is going well. However, 
Don't let it go to your head, she reminds herself. Sorry if that is too technical. It shows us how underground water flows within a hydrogeological system. What does FAST stand for? Another reporter follows up. A sly smirk spreads across Alex's face. I thought you might ask that. Now, I promise I am not making this up. It stands for FREAK and HST3D, two programs combined. I know what you're thinking, fast and freaky, I know. That was a standard joke in advanced hydrology. FREAK, spelled P-H-R-E-E-Q-C, stands for pH redox equilibrium. It is a widely used public domain geochemical modeling software available from the USGS. You could download it yourself for free to your PC or Mac. HST3D is a computer code for the simulation of heat and solute transport in three-dimensional groundwater flow systems. As she finishes showing off a little bit, she receives a text from Ting Yu, which she scans. Found arsenic in Woodman Creek. Does she announce this new fact to the press? She reminds herself of her revelation yesterday to be brave and count on her knowledge of the entire Cepeda system and share that with the world. She announces it to the press and asks their forgiveness, but she must end the briefing. They seem understanding. As Alex is getting ready to leave, the mayor approaches her. First, he tells her he wasn't expecting much from her, but he was wrong. You really know your beans. Second, his newly gained respect for her prompts him to tell her she will need help. The area they are heading into will require specialized transportation. He will have some of his friends meet her at 290 and Provo Creek Road. Alex reconnects with John so they can drive to meet Mateo and Ting Yu. Once everyone, including Max, is in the car, John comments that the briefing went well. He is not one to say I told you so. Nevertheless, Alex hears it between the lines. She isn't offended. After they pull away, John notices the news crews following them. It looks like we have company. Alex turns and looks out the back window and adds, I hope they have enough sense to stay out of our way. A search like this is difficult enough without the public underfoot. John adds, or worse, in the air with a helicopter. The whole team is descending on the area along Woodman Creek, a.k.a. Provo Creek, or Weedman Creek. Alex can see by a digital map that a gravel road, National Forest 106, runs along the north side of the creek and up into Provo Canyon. She also sees that they will be crossing into the Humboldt National Forest. That means a call to the National Forest Service is in order. John offers to take care of that call. Tingyu and Mateo are waiting at the side of the road where 290 crosses Woodman Creek. Alex steps out of John's car as the press vans pull up and park alongside the road, waiting to see what will happen next. After about 15 minutes, half a dozen off-road pickup trucks and jeeps pull up as the team talks. The mayor is sitting in the passenger seat of the lead vehicle. This is my son and a few of his friends. Then pointing at Moby, that thing, 
and your car won't be able to get up the road to where you are going. Alex is impressed by this offer to help. They load their gear and themselves into the impressive vehicles and head off down Provo Canyon Road. The news vans join in the procession up the road, making it like a funeral procession for a famous off-road driving celebrity. Alex is concerned about the extra company and asks the mayor's son, who she now knows is named Chuck, if they should tell the news teams not to follow. He says it won't be necessary since they have to stop about a mile after it changes to the gravel-covered NF-106. The higher elevations of this road are for forest ranger access and off-road enthusiasts. Unfortunately for them, it is steep and unreliable. Fortunately for us, they can't follow. The team stops periodically to take water samples and test for contaminants along the water course. The plan is to repeat this process until they reach uncontaminated water. That point would then indicate a section starting between this negative and the last contaminated test continuing up the slope to the ridge. Unfortunately, that could be on either side of the creek. Alex is counting on Max's training to pick the correct direction. The testing process continues for two hours, and the results are still finding arsenic. Other contaminants have also appeared, including mercury, cyanide, and sulfuric acid. So they are looking at a veritable toxic soup up and down the creek. Chuck parks his jeep where the gravel road ends and says, We are on foot from here. Alex estimates a two-and-a-half-mile hike. In addition, she can see the waterway splits into six fingers on the map. Each finger begins high up the canyon slope and flows down from different directions. The smaller streamlets are reduced compared to downstream, and there may not be much flow at this time of the year. They distribute hazmat suits to everyone, including Max, prepare gear, and leave the vehicles behind. Then, everyone but the mayor and John joins the hike up Woodman Creek. There is much discussion about the creek name, with all the locals having differing opinions. Alex appreciates their support, but wants to focus on the task at hand. However, she can see why Woodman would be correct, given the wealth of deciduous trees along its banks. Everyone is fresh and in good shape, so the hike goes well. Testing continues at the same intervals as earlier with the same results. Then, they reach a fork in the creek just past the hike's halfway point. Mateo tests the left fork and Tingyu the right. A quick shake of the test kit and Tingyu announces it is the same. However, Mateo hesitates. And then he raises both hands over his head and shouts, It's clear! Finally, they get some good news. To the right then, declares Alex. They cross two forks over the next half mile that go to the right, but there is no water now. Spring snowmelt fills these, so they may or may not be part of the issue. Alex sees two more forks ahead in the creek by looking at the map again. Consequently, it is time for her to make a decision. She decides to split up the team. Each member of her team will pair up with one of the local men helping them. The other three locals will stay here in support. Mateo and Ting Yu will continue ahead and test the other forks. 
Once they have the results, she will decide which slope to traverse. In the meantime, Alex will scan the slopes and ridges with binoculars. Perhaps she can spot something. Her scan doesn't reveal anything significant. The slopes are the usual scrub and small trees amongst outcroppings of rock. The color of the soil varies, but it is difficult to draw any conclusions at this distance. Finally, she receives word over the radio that the contamination goes to the end, but always to the right. So at least they now know where to start the ascent. Alex has the team disperse over the line from where she stopped, continuing to the head of the creek. This line will work up the slope with Alex and Max at the center. His nose will direct them as they go. Matteo operates the drone over the operation. He watches Alex and Max on a viewing screen so he can guide them over the radio. Finally, after a time, he spots a large swath of light gray-colored ground that may be mine tailings. Matteo radios Alex as she and Max discover the tailings and Max runs out into it, potentially exposing him to dangerous arsenic levels. He stops and points to a series of buildings and features arrayed over the slope. Some are remnants of centuries-old wooden structures, while others are obviously from a later, more modern time. From her vantage point, Alex can see several possible contamination problems. Above the swath of tailings is a mound of crushed ore she identifies as a heap leach. The miners would make a pile of crushed ore and rinse it with a dilute alkaline cyanide solution to dissolve precious metals and collect them at the bottom. The dilute cyanide solution would usually be reused or sent to a water treatment facility. Unfortunately, it appears it was left to do its damage. The scent of rotten eggs present means that there are most likely pools of water with sulfuric acid. Waste rock piles, tailings, open pits, underground tunnels, and leach pads can release sulfuric acid when exposed to air and water. Acid mine drainage is the single biggest danger mines pose to waterways. In this one site, Alex can see a century of mining done without one thought to the effects on the environment. At the center of it all is a decaying wooden structure. She makes out a rusted and worn metal well pump inside. Alex signals Max to return to her with the whistle. The instant he reaches her, she can see he is covered with powder undoubtedly from the tailings. She calls her team and their new friends. She is desperate for help. I can't look. Please tell me Max is going to be okay. I hate it when any pet meets an untimely end. And I certainly don't want to wait until next week. Today's episode features the following impeccable musical themes. The 40 Day Heroes Journey theme music is Longing for Home by Christopher Moe Ditlifson, and the theme music for Episode 1G is Desert Blues by Don Syke. All music and sound effects are courtesy of EpidemicSound.com. 
the market-leading platform for restriction-free music heard around the globe.